Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. So this couple was married 60 years, 60 years. And uh, the wife got sick. And so her husband had promised one secret that they would keep. It was a secret she asked him to keep. It was a box that she kept in the top of their closet. And she said, never look in the box. Now, I want you to know that I don't think if Debbie had a box and she told me, never look in the box, I think I would wait till she was gone on a long trip and I would peek. (laughs) How many of you would have peeked? Come on, especially guys, you know? And so he brought this box to the hospital where she was, and he said, honey, I I kept my vow, but God forbid if this illness takes you from me, I'm stuck with this box. And she said, honey, you can open it. And he did. And inside the box were two handmade dolls, and a wad of cash. And he said, baby, tell me what this is. And she said, well, my grandmother told me on the day we got married, if we ever had conflict, you and I, that we could not resolve for me to shut my mouth and go make a doll. And he thought, wow, hon, 60 years, and you only made two dolls. Tell me about the wad of cash, $95,000. And she said, well, baby, that's for all the dolls I made and sold. (laughs) All right, conflict. Some of us may be like the guy in the story, thinking that we're doing better than we really are. And others of us may be like the lady in the story who just did something constructive and shut her mouth. She, she was conflict-averse, and he was conflict-ignorant. He didn't know. Now, I have read the majority of this Bible. Uh, there's a few passages maybe I've skipped in my life, but... As I've read Old and New Testament, there's one thing I see the same. Conflict in both Testaments. People that didn't get along. Matter of fact, Adam and Eve, there's two people on the planet and there's conflict. They disobey God. You know the story. And then when the Lord comes and says, Adam, there's a problem here. You have sinned. And Adam did what? It's the woman's fault. We, have, we, we are just in the beginning of humanity. We have conflict. Now, some of you uh, are into sending in your DNA. You want to find out your roots. I'm going to save you all of that. Your roots are in conflict. We get to the next generation after Adam and Eve. We have Cain and Abel. We have conflict. We have murder. I mean, we... we we're only a few chapters into the human race, and we have conflict, disobedience, sin, arrogance, lying, blaming, murder. These are your roots. I just wanted you to know. Aren't you glad you came to church? 
There's conflict between neighbors. There's marital conflict. There's brothers and sisters conflicts. There's, there's church conflict. Thank God we don't have much conflict here. Thank you, Lord. We have conflict at school. We have conflict in our neighborhoods. We have conflict. I'm going to take a breath in our government. Oh, okay, now I'm better. We have conflict everywhere we go. And when Jesus was asked what the most important thing is for life, he said, I want you to love God with all that you are, all that you have, with all you are becoming, and to love your neighbor as yourself, to take care of your neighbor like you would take care of yourself. I think we could summarize it this way, that we are to enter into the deepest, profound relationship with God who created us, and to make life-transforming relationships with everyone that you can. Think about this. If our goal was vertically to make sure that we are in the deepest, profoundest relationship with God that we can possibly be, and then horizontally with everyone around us to make life-transforming relationships with everyone else that you can. I think our world would be so different than it is right now. So before we go to Ephesians 4, that's the passage we'll be in. You can get your Bible uh, out, Ephesians 4, your Bible app or your phone or whatever else you got. Well, in Ephesians 4, something is going on at the church of Ephesus. Now, this is the church that the Apostle Paul really loved. He spent the majority of his time uh, there of any other church, he was there the most in all of his travels. And here's what he tells us. You can get your notes out, and it, you might need this for right now in your life. If not, I promise you, sometime soon, you're going to have some conflict. And the first thing I want you to think about is to seek to speak the empowering truth. Seek to speak the empowering truth. Ephesians 4 tells us, instead Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. Now notice what he says. We, we grow as a mature body, a mature community. We grow as a mature Christian when we're willing to speak the truth in love, emphasize that, and we grow together in Christ. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Boy, that's a tall order, isn't it? And especially in our world we live in, there is so much, the King James defines it this way, corrupt communication. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. That's a great filter, isn't it? And boy, I need this. I know you need this too, that we would speak for the benefit of someone. Not, I'm going to tell you everything I've ever wanted to say about you. That's not love. Or I'm going to go unfiltered and just say whatever I feel because I've got the right to do that. Well, no, according to the scripture, we're to speak for the benefit of the hearer, to build them up. Now, that doesn't mean in conflict, we don't go and speak the truth. There are some people that are just conflict-averse. They won't ever tell you how they feel. They won't ever be totally honest with you. And they'll take all of that conflict and let it fester inside of them. And eventually, it will build up anger. Eventually, you'll hear it come out of their speech. It'll come out of their eye sockets. I mean, it'll just pour out of them because they fill themselves so much with it. 
with it. He says, speak for the benefit of building someone up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Years ago, true story, I sat with a couple. And uh, by the way, I'm a lousy counselor. That's why you should call somebody else. But I sat with this couple in the conference room, and uh, they had been married five short years, I thought. She said they were the longest years of her life. I really thought I was going to help this couple out. Um, Didn't do much good for them. Just thought I'd cut to the chase. And she said these, these words, I am sick of you, she said to him. And she said, if we could turn back the hands of time to the day that you asked me out on a date, I would tell you no. I have wasted five years of life with you. Now, the guy was, he needed some help. He needed a realignment, a tune-up, oil change, filter. Yeah, he needed a lot of it. But I couldn't see anywhere where he was as bad as she was claiming he was. But oh man, she said, if I could just go back, I would say no to you. I would have never walked down the aisle. I would have, you know, and, and he's there like, uh, Pastor, could you help me out here? <laughs> hey, buddy, you're on your own. I mean, yeah, I was kind of afraid of her, actually. She was full of venom, you know? And we began to talk a little bit, and partway through, she said, well, I didn't really mean everything I said. And he was already devastated. Uh, I don't know whatever became of them. I I heard uh, they moved away. I heard they split up. I don't know their whole story. Uh, It was going to be Jesus' miracle. It was going to be their hard work to get them to to work this thing out. Uh, But she said, and that's why I thought of her today. She said, I'm doing what the Bible says. I'm speaking the truth in love. I go, if that's love... Now, she was, in her mind, speaking the truth, but there's something about that encounter that reminds me that you could just blow somebody apart in seconds. You know, we can tear down in seconds with our words what God's taken years to build in the life of someone. If you don't believe me, Proverbs uh, 12, 18 says, the words of the reckless pierce like swords but the tongue of the wise brings healing. See, truth without love will be resisted. Truth for the benefit of the hearer to build them up, to to see them realize their potential, to see them realize the error of their ways, like a friend that's about to go off the cliff and, and you speak some words of love to bring them back. You speak some words that are truthful You speak words that are tempered with the power and the grace of God and the Holy Spirit. It's amazing what can happen. We are to speak words of truth, but to speak them with love. The second thing I want you to think about is anger. Deal with your anger before your anger takes over. Now, I'm not a doctor, but I've done a little bit of research and found out that when we exercise, many of you know this, some of you are addicted to exercising in a good way because of the endorphins that it produces. It's a chemical that's, that creates a high. Uh, not too long ago, I went on a really long walk, and, and I got my heart rate up, and, and uh, I was feeling pretty good. And I came back. I wanted to write a song. I don't write songs, but I wanted to. 
and my mind was clear. I mean, the whole day, I was just sharper than a tack. I go, wow, this is really good. Now, they tell me from the research I've done that when anger starts to grow inside of you, it doesn't create positive chemicals in your body. It creates negative ones, like fight or flight. Like, I want to punch somebody out. I want to do something bad. I want to at least take you to court and sue you. I mean, come on. There's something inside of us. It makes us put things on Facebook we would never put on Facebook. It makes us text somebody and hit send, and we hit send really hard on our phone, you know? Anger can take over us. Anger is a warning signal that something needs to be dealt with inside of us. In fact, any negative emotion is a warning signal that something needs to be dealt with. Ephesians 4 tells you this. 26 and 27, in your anger, do not sin. See, interesting that anger could create something in you that would cause you to do what you normally would not do. Anger can create a sin. Now, is it a sin to be angry? No. But if anger becomes hatred, or if anger becomes falsehood, or if anger becomes bearing a false witness, or if anger becomes violent, or if anger, you could just fill in the rest of the blanks, then you have violated uh, the anger, and you have become a, a, you know, a sinner. Do not let the sun go down while you are still what? Angry. In other words, don't take today's anger and put it in tomorrow's calendar. Because when you do, you give the devil a foothold. And here's what I know about the devil. that If you give him a foothold, he will scale the mountain of your heart. Remember, as we've learned before, that the devil is a headhunter. And the way you think is his trophy. He wants to be able to get you to think bad about people and to think with anger and to have heart and emotion that, that are angry in your life. And if you let things fester, it doesn't just stay there. It gets worse and worse and worse, like old food you forgot was in the refrigerator, and I won't go any longer with that one. So what do we do when anger comes? What do we do? Well, the first thing is we have to ask a question. Am I overreacting? Now, when I've gotten angry and allowed it to fester, here's what, I, what I've learned. I usually overreact. My perspective is skewed. I see things that aren't real, or I feel things that aren't real. Remember, there's this, this chemical uh, reaction happens in your body when you get angry, and pretty soon you do things, you say things, you feel things, you see things that aren't really there, or it's a it's, a, it's, a, it's an inaccurate portrayal of what's going on. Or in overreacting, am I making this more about my ego? Or am I really here to help the other person? Am I being offended at a small thing? I don't like the way they talked to me. I don't like the way they, they, they looked at me. I, I don't like how they, they spoke to me. I don't like the, 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 the tone of it all. So am I overreacting? The second thing is, how can I resolve this? How can I resolve this? Now, where would I ever get that from? Well, Paul is really concerned that anger doesn't overtake you. So to ask the question, Lord, how can I resolve this? Where's your grace in this? Where's your mercy in this? How can I extend love to this person in this situation? Now, I'm going to bring something up here uh, that's kind of interesting. It's called being on the receiving end of having someone speak the truth to you in love. Um, if you've ever spoken to somebody about how they treated you or about how they're acting, or again, a friend that's about to fall off a cliff to, to call them back, 
have you ever gone to somebody and really worked hard at your approach and your delivery and what you were going to say, your content, and they sat there in silent arrogance? Now, notice I use the word arrogance. Because really, if Ephesians 4 is true, and I know it to be true, then we're all to be about this maturing together, where I'm helping you, where we've talked about this, iron is sharpening iron. I'm not just sharpening you, but you're sharpening me. And together, we're growing, and we're learning, and we're, we're seeing God help us to become the best versions of ourselves. The third thing is that we're to be givers and not just takers. Ephesians 4, 28 says, anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their hands that they may have something to share with those in need. This is talking about everybody contributing. Now, I don't know if there was thieves going on, uh, stealing going on in Ephesians, probably, otherwise Paul would not have addressed it. But I want to take this, not just uh, literally here, but metaphorically, where Paul is saying, don't be a stealer when it comes to speaking the truth in love. Don't be a stealer and rob somebody because you became angry that something was lost in the relationship, that we're to be people that build each other up, that we're to be people that grow in in maturity. And that's a challenge for us, not just in how we speak the truth, but how we receive the truth. It's a challenge to be a person that says, I want to grow. I want to be better. I want to be a lifelong learner. Go ahead and speak to me because I I trust you and you're going to speak the truth in love again, not in anger. And I want to get better with my life. Now, there are people who have chosen to not be better and to deny the reality of who they are. There are people. Let me give you an illustration. Um, I'm just going to give you an illustration from children's sports. You all ready for this? Children's sports. How many of you have kids or grandkids that play sports? Come on. Oh, good. Then you'll know know about this. So all the kids come to practice. They're all on time except for Johnny. Johnny's always late, and Johnny goofs off in practice. You wouldn't know him, right? Yeah, change the name. Would you know a Johnny? Yeah. Always late to practice if he actually comes, and his parents are firm believers that Johnny is the all-star on the team. Johnny needs to start. Johnny needs to be, you know, basketball, uh, football, baseball, soccer, you know, Johnny, Johnny. Now, no one has the guts to speak to his parents the truth in love. To say a couple things, uh, Johnny, you know, Johnny uh, needs to come to practice on time, mom, dad. Anything we can do to help you get Johnny here? Uh, can we also talk to Johnny about not goofing off during practice? By the way, this coach that I'm portraying is a volunteer. Um, gets off work early, races to practice, and Johnny's not there. Huh? Got it? So uh, it, it comes to uh, award ceremony, and everybody gets a trophy. Come on. All right, I guess you guys don't. Everybody gets a trophy because everybody plays. And Johnny believes that he doesn't have to make any course corrections in his life. I'm going to fast forward to tape. Johnny now is in middle school, and his parents believe Johnny is the best student, that Johnny should, you know, um, get a free ride when he doesn't uh, 
get his assignments in on time. And the teachers want to speak to Johnny and his parents. They have to be careful what they say. So they kindly speak to Johnny and his parents. And his parents don't really get it because now he's already 13. He's had 13 years of no one speaking the truth to him. Boy, if this goes on and he becomes an adult, how's he going to do? Oh, he's going to be a strong, spirit-filled, functional adult in society, contributing greatly. I say nay, nay. I think Johnny's going to have a tough road to hoe. But could you imagine if it was different, that the coach had time with the parents and said, look, we are so grateful to have Johnny on the team. But here's what Johnny needs to do. Now, if the parents are listening to the truth spoken in love, and they go have a conversation with Johnny speaking the truth in love, I mean, Johnny, there's a course correction. So we have to invest in our young people in such a way that we don't have to rehabilitate them when they're adults. Okay, it's true. And so we have to be a willing society to speak the truth to one another in love. Again, I didn't say in anger. I don't think Johnny should be extricated from the team or ostracized from sports forever. But somebody's got to, hello, parents, wake up, Johnny. Why? Because our future's at stake. Now, I've talked to Johnny's parents before. They don't like me. I said, you know, Johnny needs to, no, oh, don't, we, we, we don't like that. Now, you, you fill in the blank. If you have kids or grandkids, where could you speak the truth in love to them to make sure that somebody is speaking into their life to make them become the best that God's ever wanted them to be? Now, I'm going to get off Johnny right now because I can tell this is going great. So 1 Thessalonians 4, 11 and 12, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands just as we told you so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders so that you will not be dependent upon anybody. Now, this phrase, quiet life, doesn't mean don't speak the truth in love. It's not a conflict to Ephesians 4. What it is is make sure that you're not a conflict creator, a chaos creator. There are some people that like to stir things up. You may know somebody like that. They walk in a room, people are talking, they throw in a relational chaotic bomb, and they walk out. Oh, man. Or they'll bring up something in the middle of a discussion just to try to get everybody's ire up, to rage you, to cause anger to be thrown into the conversation. So when he says lead a quiet life, here's what he's saying. We, we should be quiet rather than hurried. Times where we stop, times where we, 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 we just throttle back a little bit. We should be quiet rather than hurried. The next thing is that we should be quiet rather than anxious. Rather than anxious. Now, we're learning in our uh, small group on uh, Sunday nights, uh, some of you are there, about 50 of us that are doing emotionally healthy spirituality, and part of it has to do with, with resting. Part of it has to do with a daily office where we take time each day, three times a day, to spend time with God, just to be quiet ourselves. So some of us need to work on that. We also need to 
be quiet rather than anxious. Uh, Philippians 4 says, be anxious for nothing. Yeah, some of you get anxious over nothing. Yeah, be anxious for nothing. And, and then we, we, we need to make sure that we are quiet rather than obnoxious. You wouldn't know anybody who's obnoxious. And it's as though Paul is saying, hey, listen, listen, stop being nosy about everybody's business. Um, I don't know if you have any people in your life that just like to hover around to find out the latest stuff about you or other people. I do, and sometimes I just I make up stuff like, yeah, I'm going to be on the Mars launch Saturday. I'm going to be inside the capsule to see if they share rumors. By the way, you know we're, we're, we're launching this Saturday. It should be. It's going to take till November to get there. That's how far Mars is away. Think about that. They're going to have that, that the rover is going to go down in sight. It's going to go drill down, find out what kind of soil there's for your garden when you move there. <laughs> yeah, Elon Musk says eventually we're all going to go up to Mars and hang out and drive Teslas together. Isn't that great? <laughs> what if you got up there and you couldn't get back? All right, forget that. Okay, moving on. <laughs> And number four, make kindness and compassion your daily goal. I mean, it's your daily goal. Ephesians 4, 32 says, be kind and compassionate to one another. This is how we, we reduce relational conflict. We're just, we're just nice. We've decided to just be nice. Ephesians 4, 32 says, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. And I have to tell you, this is one of the verses in the Bible that I'm not thrilled about. I like the first part, Christ forgave me. I'm not real big on the just as forgiving others. I mean, think about it. The Lord forgives us time and time again, and he asks us through Paul's words in Ephesians 4 to forgive each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Now, that doesn't mean if you're abused or you're harmed that you keep going back and being abused. That's not what that means. But if somebody wrongs you or somebody says something out of love, that means just, just, just forgive them, forgive them. Uh, the woman one time said, I'll forgive you, honey, but I'll never let you forget it. And that's not forgiveness. And then he says, Ephesians 4.30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Hmm. I mean, how do you grieve the Holy Spirit? Well, the context of Ephesians 4 is all about relationships. Think about this. He's saying, speak the truth in love. Don't be angry. Hmm? And then he says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit is grieved when we don't treat each other well. Husbands. Husbands, husbands, the Holy Spirit is grieved when you don't treat your wife well. Wives, the Holy Spirit is grieved when you don't treat your husband well. Well, Pastor B, if you knew my husband, uh, wives, forgive your husbands just as Christ forgave you. Husbands, forgive your wives just as Christ forgave you. Kids, forgive your parents. Brothers, sisters, come on. Why? Because this is the heart of God. And when we go against that, it actually grieves the Holy Spirit. So a couple things before we, we close out. Speak the truth in love. 
Make sure it's truth. Make sure it's not exaggeration. I spent my last five years, I should have never, like the wife, no. Deal with your anger and your negative emotions before they take over your life and cause unnecessary damage. Be a giver and not a taker. Thou shalt not steal. How do we steal? Speaking the truth to somebody in love robs them of the best that God could give them. Letting our anger get the best of us, it robs, it steals from what God intends. Treat others with kindness and forgive them. So here's the challenge as we get ready to go. Where, where in your life is someone in need of the truth that you could speak to them? Where in your life is someone in need of you to throttle back your anger and stop taking out your anger on them? I had a gentleman stop me after the first service. And he said, I'm glad you brought that up. Anger has gotten the best of me lately. And I'm saying and doing things I never thought I would say and do. I thought, Lord, help him. Step back a little bit to say, am I overreacting? Am I letting my anger get the best of me? How do I begin to just take a breath and realize that not everybody's out to get me because that's what anger will do too to us. And then ask the question of the Lord. Lord, where, where do I need to be someone who resolves conflict and builds bridges to people to love you more and to love my neighbor more? Let's pray. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.